0: Hi everybody, so about a month ago, I listened to all of the Magnus Archives, and I can't, I can't stop thinking about it, and it's got me wondering, is love real? Fictional podcast seems to point to yes? Anyway, I'm just, I'm, I'm still awash in all kinds of the Magnus Archives feelings, and Emily won't listen to it all because she says it's too scary. And I'm like, no, <laughs> Emily, please. We're not going to podcast about it, though. I, I don't think we're quite at the point where we're going to do a podcast about a podcast. But um, yeah, there's your emotional check-in with me, Megan. Uh, I forget what I do in these intros. Do I say like, Hi, uh, thank you for listening to My Sister Made Me View It. You're, uh, tuning into the Books Edition, currently covering The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. This week we're covering chapters 18, 19, 20, and 21. Mm-hmm. Getting, getting far into the colon territory now. This, this makes me quite excited. Well, uh... Also <laughs> don't know if I announced it here. I'll announce it in the closer. Oh, stay tuned. <gasps> Suspense <Hello! laughs> mm, Welcome everyone. You oh. sound like
1: you should be the the book reader, the audio reader. You sound very professional. Ready,
0: ready? This is Audible. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. My I interrupted name. You. I apologize. <laughs> My name is Megan, and I should be storyboarding. My
1: name is Emily, and I'm lucky. Oh. Rewarded from on high. <laughs> so it's Christmas, you know, it's just the end of 2020, and everything is bonkers. And I'm supposed to have my next my next book submission into my group. And it's been one of those writer's block weeks. You guys know how it is. And long story short, I asked for an extension and I got one.
0: Uh, clarification. You asked for a week's extension and they gave you a month's extension. That's true. Because everybody's crazy busy too. So
1: I said, as soon as I got the news, I said, hey Meg let's record a podcast. And she said, no, (laughs) work on your book.
0: Because if you just procrastinate for those three weeks. (laughs) I'm right back where I started. You're right back where you were tonight. So, So Emily worked on her book. I recorded a different podcast. And now we're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast. So we are covering four chapters in this reading. Chapter 18, High Prince of War. Chapter 19, Star Falls. 20, Scarlet. And 21, Why Men Lie. Dun,
1: dun, dun. And the reason
0: we're doing four chapters, you may recall, is when there's a short flashback, we just group it on in there. So, Emily, what do you think of these four chapters?
1: First of all, I have a Hoyd rant. Okay. Because all the tips and tricks you gave me to look for Hoyd were one legit but two when the other dude in the clear legs is talking to the other people that are looking for him they're like well he can change his hair he can change this and I'm like that's the dumbest way to go send someone to look here look go look for this person she's blonde but she can also dye her hair and wear whatever the frick she wants good luck you
0: you can't I would like to have you cast your mind back to the beginning of spy kids. They could change their hair when you're undercover, but he couldn't change like the structure of his face. So like look for someone with an airship. Well they don't have have the FBI
1: laser technology or whatever to scan (sighs) faces. I'm upset. Not upset. I just think it was unfair that. They're like, here, look for this person. But really, it could be the exact opposite of what we tell you. It could be
0: anyone. <laughs> it could be anyone. Hoyt could be that bush or <laughs> that tree. So
1: that's my rant as to why. I just, that's my rant. He, it was, it was bad. It was, uh just frustrating to be
0: like, hey, look for this dude. But really, he doesn't always look like that. You're mad because you wouldn't have spotted Hoyt anyway <laughs> unless I put <pointed> him as <laughs> <Sure. laughs> Let's talk about the epigraph. Part of what you are theorizing is a letter. Yes. It says,
1: it. Ati, eighty, Atai tie, eighty, eighty, was once a kind and generous man, and you saw what became of him. Rays, on the other hand, was among the most loathsome, crafty, and dangerous individuals I had ever met.
0: So, all right, listeners. Emily's not a Cosmere scholar, but. I <laughs> you were going to say Emily's not the brightest. No! Bolt in the box. Uh, Emily's not the brightest sphere in the bag. <laughs> I'm gonna do Emily a favor through this book, and when we have overt off world Cosmere references, I'm gonna point them out to her. Thank you. You've met A.T. I have? You have. When? When you read the Mistborn trilogy. What? Is this a letter from Hoyd? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you (laughs) what it is, (laughs) but A.T.M. Mm -hmm. is the metal that they ingest. A.T.
1: is the short name for the metal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Okay, here's a piece of information. That is a Mistborn spoiler. So if you haven't read Mistborn, skip ahead 15 seconds. A.T. is Ruin. Oh, Okay. (gasps)
1: oh this is exciting okay okay
0: okay okay oh yeah yeah. it's all coming together (laughs) you'll just have to keep an eye out for who raise is okay racy i don't know how to say the names Racy. oh my gosh y'all i am bad at fantasy words and names um i'm on a, a a twitch stream rpg game i keep mispronouncing my own character's <laughs> name. It's embarrassing. Uh so op- apologies. Anyway, so High Prince of War starts with Adolin out on a date.
1: He's on a date and he's multitasking and she is uh,
0: not impressed. Yeah, he has taken his date, yes, um, to the leather workers. And he's asking them about the strap that was cut on... Or the strap that King Elokar says was cut on his saddle. And as they're looking at it, at first, oh, Adolin is taking his date. What's her name? Yeast is one of the leather workers. Yanala. I was about to
1: say, okay. I
0: was <laughs> Adolin has Yanala out on a date. Okay. And he's talking to the leather workers, Yeast and Aparan. I told you, I'm not good at the fantasy <laughs> names. <sighs> So one of the leather workers is like, oh, yeah, this was totally sliced. And Adeline's like, <gasps> dun." God dun, dun. Oh, was right. And the uh, leather workers are like, yeah, you can get wear and tear like this on a saddle if there's a buckle that's, like, too tight or placed incorrectly. And Adeline's like, oh, so it wasn't cut on purpose. And they're like, why would you cut a saddle strap on purpose?
1: So here's the thing. If it is someone who is really trying to um, assassinate the king, they have done it in a very clever way. Like, well done. Because, you know, I don't know if they were aiming to have it happen. Excuse me. If they were aiming to have it happen at a specific time or not, but to make it look so natural that no one would question it. That's really smart. Again, don't know if there's a a real assassination attempt out Mm -hmm. there, but if if there was... This was
0: really good. Yeah, so it's it's pretty unclear. Like, was this a mastermind or was this an accident? And so Adolin is is walking with Yanala, Yanala's handmaiden and two members of the guard. So they're they're on a very well chaperoned date, and Yanala's talking, but Adelin is like clearly thinking about this leather strap and what he has to do. So there's a bit where Yunal finally like, so wouldn't you say? And he's like, oh, yeah, yes. She's like, so you'll talk to him. And Helen's like, oh, crap. what have I done? She wants the soldiers to be allowed to wear something outside the uniform. Oh, that's
1: right. And she's not upset, but she's kind of blaming um, Dalinar for sticking to the old ways and to the, codes. to the
0: codes. And we get a good description of the uniform. A long coat of solid blue, no embroidery, and stiff trousers in a time when vests, silk accents, and scarves were the fashion. His father's Colin glyph pair was emblazoned quite obtrusively on the back and breast, and the front fastened with silver buttons up both sides. Is that the glyph on your jacket? no okay you've that's a really good guess though thank you because it was blue Mm -hmm. i have a blue jacket with something emblazoned on it emily doesn't know what it is she won't tell me what it is. here is an example of coke and linnel. um so that's colin that's the glyph pair that's stylized to be colin i'm pointing to the art at the beginning of the chapter whenever we have a, a dalinar adolin chapter that's the symbol that's in front of it nice You probably won't find out what my Uh, thing says until book two. (laughs) One of the things I really like about Brandon's books is the world building into how the specific clothes are worn at specific times. Like, that's my favorite part of the Mistborn books is talking about the fashions and the stuff. (laughs) Okay, not my favorite part, but that's an important note in the flavors. (laughs) (laughs) And so this date for Adolin is just not going well. And then the horns sound out that there's been a... And Adolin listens to the pattern of the horns. It's like, there's been a chrysalis spotted on this plateau. And he knows it's close enough that they could go. Does the army get called out? No. In fact, it's Sadius that
1: ends up uh, taking off. And, and Dalinar doesn't give any sort of signal to move the troops out or anything.
0: And, uh Adolin's like, come on, Dad, we can race him for it. Come on, come on. But <laughs> nope, no good. Uh so then we cut to Dalinar's POV. He is looking out over the shattered plains. And uh he has a scribe with him. Um female, right? Yes. Yep. All the all the all the scribes are women. And he he thinks about how much he'd really like Yasna to come back because he trusts her, like his niece, to be his scribe. Um, And some of his higher officers are hinting that maybe you should marry again. And, you know, he's always waved them off. And they're like, oh, it's because he loves his first wife so much. But Emily, tell us about Talonar's wife.
1: He doesn't remember her. And we've, we've learned a little bit about this beforehand. But, like, even memories with her in it, he can perfectly picture everything else. But she is, like, blurred out or whatever. And I thought it was a mourning ritual. Like, when you're in mourning... But apparently he's done it on purpose. I don't know why. And I don't know if it was to do with the codes. I don't know if this was an agreement he made with someone and doesn't remember. I don't know. And yes. it's so sad. So, like, to forget this person that he clear. Like, does he even remember how he feels about her?
0: He doesn't remember anything about her. Okay. so So you don't know anything about his wife i don't know if they had a happy marriage or not or anything so okay everything you just said lifted from dalinar colin's diary (laughs) (laughs) i'm channeling channeling dalinar
1: oh um you asked me to ask you what dalinar's fandom nickname is people call him dadinar oh that's
0: so sweet i love that oh Oh, dadinar dadinar (laughs) Um, and listen this hasn't been stated in this book yet but you need to know and i'm gonna break the horner pact for this (laughs) He has a really good butt. That is this is canonical? Canonically stated several times. <laughs> Dalinar's got a great booty. Okay. <laughs> so.
1: Darinar. <laughs> Darinar. 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 <laughs>
0: The scribe is describing to him that, like, Bright Lord Adolin uh, has asked me to report the progress of the saddle. It's inconclusive with the Leatherworkers. Nobody is spreading any rumors about it. Nobody witnessed anyone interfering with the saddle of his majesty. There's no one bragging about it. No one's received large mysterious sums of money as far as we've discovered. And, like, the grooms checked the saddle, but they like, they don't remember checking that specific buckle. There was just nothing really amiss. It's something so inconspicuous. So, like I said, if someone's arranged for this, mm-hmm. they're incredibly clever. So, she's like, carrying a shardbearer places a strain on the horse in the saddle. Like, because Ellacar's riding a normal horse. And she's like, oh, if we only had a way to tame more rachadium. Oh, how do you catch rach- rashar-
1: rachadium?
0: Oh, yeah, that's the proper name.
1: <laughs> Rice Stadium. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? Where do you find him? Has the book told us?
0: No. Oh, then I guess well, we can't right uh, <laughs> Rude. There's some horse scenes in Words of Radiance, <laughs> which is the next book that are great. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny where I'm like, oh, yeah, the first one's my favorite book. And as we keep reading it through, I'm like, but the scenes in the second one and that stuff in the third one. So we'll we'll get there. Dalinar's a little worried because there's a there's a bright lord that's considering going on a vacation. Uh
1: and by vacation, remind me, is that meaning going back to the main city and not yeah.
0: having to do this anymore? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Tashev looked into the ledgers, and three of the high princes are behind on their Basically, their taxation payments to the king, way behind. And only uh, High Prince Sadius and Dalinar are paid ahead on what is owed. And like when you're at war, you're supposed to be paid ahead of what you owe. Mm. Is that the codes or is that just like war etiquette? It's yeah, the tenets of war. It's war etiquette. <clears throat> okay. War to kit. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we get some great logistics of war economics. Because, like, uh, when it's wartime, the king charges higher rates for soulcasters for food. To be able to feed the army. Correct.
1: Got it. Yes. Sorry. And the book may not have talked about this. I don't know if this is just something. But are soulcasters usually used in times of peace? Or is this, are they really only called up during times of war? No, no,
0: no. Uh, soulcasters are, like, it's it's a vocation. It's okay. a job. So, like, they can make a soul casted building they okay. can soul cast food those are two things that we've seen soul casters be able to do oh third is just make lumber you will get to see more about soul casters and how they work and stuff but okay. the king pretty much uh is over all of the soul casters so you pay the king for access to soul casters got it sorry one more question you keep raising your hand <laughs> the podcast <laughs> listeners can't see when you raise your hand but um
1: yes emily so the not the allegiance the ardents yes they are
0: owned are soul casters owned are they is that part of their location? so there's a there's a couple different there's a couple different definitions of soul casting mm-hmm. and i believe that the actual magical fabrial items are owned by the king got it i am gonna have to to double check on that though We are going to see more about Soulcasters and things, and and I think those questions will be answered. Okay. So, there's talk of, why don't we have farmers come out here? And Dalinar's like, no, we already have the redundancy in the supply chain with the merchants. The Soulcasters are really the only economic hold we have on the High Princes, because they owed Gavilar their loyalty when he fought and, like, united the Ten Kingdoms, but they Don't really care about his son. And so then Dalinar gives us a little history lesson. Dalinar's been studying up. Emily. When is the most fragile period in a kingdom's history? After
1: a war. No, when there's a second. The succession. Yes. Thank you.
0: (laughs) When? I'm sorry. I was going to say second king and I, I. Yeah. The line. The king line. The most fragile period in a kingdom's existence comes during the lifetime of its founder's heir. And that's right now (laughs) and it came real fast
1: yeah because of the assassination do you remember that
0: you know what i sent you a meme about it (laughs) so talonar mentioned some things that his vision mentioned oh so he mentions
1: three things his visions say the everstorm comes everstorm is capitalized the true desolation all in capitalization the night of sorrows but he doesn't know what those are but that's what keeps popping up i don't know if it's something that he's seen or if it's a voice that's telling him like be careful or prepare for these things but he doesn't know what they are
0: yeah he's like okay listen we're going to raise the rate of soul casting for the people who are behind on their payments to the king that'll like wake everybody up which listen dalinar said he wasn't good at politicking He is good at
1: politicking. Like, he's very smart about how he does this. Rather than go and nag people, because that's just going to create, you know, hard feelings between, like, well, you're supposed to do this. Don't you know that? Like, that's just not a way to talk to anybody. To make it feel, I guess, more like their choice. Like, they're supposed to be doing it anyway, but they're obviously not. Mm -hmm. So, to be like, you're going to pay more now, or you can catch up and pay everything you owe, and, you know, then you don't have to worry about the higher rates, like it's good business, you know, sort of a thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then as the last order of business, he assigns her husband, command of the 4th Battalion, and he wants a better pattern of patrol in the unclaimed hills, which is the area around where the war camps are. Mm -hmm. And that means he's committed over a quarter of his forces to just patrolling and peacekeeping. And his scribe, she's not not really happy about it because she wants her husband to be out fighting uh, because... Well, everybody wants to be out fighting because they think they'll win a set of shards from the Parshendi. Yeah, the Parshendi have Who shards. Who have shards? Ow. <laughs> that face is <was> just really... <laughs> <laughs> That's my Scooby-Doo voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've got shard blades. They've got shard plate. Dalinar won a set of plate and sh- and blade during his first year out in the war uh he'd given them to the king to be like hey give them to like a warrior who's doing well so like this can happen um, and guess
1: who got that set who
0: didn't they give it to Adolin?
1: no no sorry guys i'm leading you astray That's
0: right uh Adolin inherited his from his mother's side of the family got it got it okay and who's his mom
1: we don't know <laughs> although i can give you a clue Wait, stop oh did the brothers remember their mom
0: have they talked about her no but i Ugh. we'll find out okay fine sorry keep going dalinar has a chat with renarin dadinar has a dadinar. chat with renarin And he first is chastising him, being like, you shouldn't have rushed into battle. The chasm fiend could have killed you. And Renarin's like, what did you want me to do? (laughs) And he's like, I don't... (laughs) I'm just going to read this. I'm just going to read this because I love it. What would you have done, father, if it had been me in danger? I don't fault your bravery. I fault your wisdom. What if you had had one of your fits? Then perhaps the monster would have swept me off the plateau, Renarin said bitterly, and I would no longer be such a useless drain on everyone's time. Oh, Don't say such things, not even in jest. Was it jest? Father, I can't fight. Fighting is not the only thing of value a man can do. Okay, listen. This, they've got some gender issues in this society Mm -hmm. where they're like, fighting is the best thing you can do it's obviously the best but we need people to support the fighters
1: farmers are the next best thing to a soldier okay so it reminds
0: me a lot about the feeling in high school so we went to we both went to a really good high school that had a very strong arts program um but even though we were like a very strong and talented arts high school obviously the big emphasis was sports. Like we would get out early on the days that there was a football game because they want us to buy tickets and go support the football team. And I was in the marching band and the pet band. The only time anyone who wasn't related to me (laughs) ever heard us play is when we would play the football games. Like people didn't come to the marching band competitions, even though they're amazing. Um, but it's, it's just very funny. I feel like, listen, so this is just, yeah, being an athlete is the absolute coolest thing you can do. But, but like, we need cheerleaders to cheer for them. And we need the pep band to play. And, and we actually need the student body to buy tickets to come and see them. But being a football player is the best thing you could be at this high school. And it's... <laughs> it's uh, so I can say, emotionally, I feel this, where Renarin's like, I want to play football. Put me in the game, coach. <laughs> I love his
1: heart. Like, you can tell he has the heart of a warrior, quote mm-hmm. unquote, because that was his first instinct, was to charge into battle. And I'm intrigued. I know they, I think they called it a blood weakness at one point. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this, these are, if it's like epileptic seizures, or I don't think he has visions like his dad, because they haven't ever mentioned that, but... They haven't really gone into what his sickness is yet.
0: You nailed it. It's epilepsy. Oh, did I? Yeah. They didn't say that yet, though, did I they? I know. But <gasps> I wanted to reward you. Yes! I wanted to reward you Thank for you. just getting it right there. I'm getting it right. Good job, And not Emily. missing point. <laughs> <laughs> Delanor talks a little bit about, you know, because Renarin's like, I can't fight. So Delanor talks to us, the audience, a little bit about callings with a capital C, um, a capital C. So the highest calling was to join battle in the afterlife to reclaim something called the Tranquiline Hills. Um, so their afterlife isn't like you're rewarded with peace. It's like, oh, if you're a good warrior here, you're going to be recruited into the huge war in the afterlife. Okay. So, But the the Almighty is is proud of you no matter what you do, like, with your life. Mm -hmm. So you pick a profession and an attribute of the Almighty to emulate. So that's your calling and a glory. So you work hard at your profession. You spend your life trying to live according to, like, those ideals that, that you've selected. So Dalinar's calling is to be a leader, and his chosen glory is determination. But here's something interesting. If you're a light eyes, the better your blood as a light eyes, the more innate glory you're just born with. Maybe it's...
1: Maybe she's born with it. Maybe
0: it's Maybelline. Being a light eyes just makes you better than most people. (laughs) Renarin says this is such a sad thing. I'm not the first hero's son to be born without any talent for warfare. The others all got along. So shall I. Ah. so uh dalinar is he's really thinking this through like dalinar is a very thoughtful character and he's like oh my gosh this is how i felt about Gavilar." it's like i i understand what it's like to be overshadowed by an older brother you love but that you envy at the same time renarin loves adolin like, loves him. And, listen, I have a sister. I actually have it's several me. sisters. <laughs> yes, one of them is you. <laughs> and I'm doing a podcast with my sister because I like her a lot. Did you know that? I mean,
1: it's nice to hear.
0: Okay. <laughs> Just okay. Uh, So there's a show that I have a hard time watching. And it's called Downton Abbey. <laughs> because the sisters hate each other. They're so mean they just to each hate other. They're always ruining each other's lives and on like, purpose. No no.
1: no, no, like it's not like a fun, a fun you know sitcom where it's just like, "Oops, I you know accidentally crashed the car and blah." blah. It's just like, "Hey, this would really ruin her life, so I'm gonna do it." Yeah,
0: and I like the complexities that we're seeing with both Renarin and Adolin, and then stuff we're learning about Dalinar and Gavilar, where, like, well, yeah, you can you can be competitive with a sibling, or you can have a hard time getting along with them, but, like, you still, you love them. love
1: him. each other.
0: Uh, Adolin is on the next stop, on his date with Yadala. <laughs> they take me to church! they're <laughs> um, <laughs> <big one. laughs> <laughs> going to talk with one of the ardents um so the the war camp temple where uh they're they're chatting with the ardent it started as a large soul cast dome and then they bring in like stone masons to like really beautify it okay. Um, so there are carvings of the heralds, and Emily, you learned something interesting about the Ten Heralds.
1: Yes, so as we were reading, Megan kind of pointed out, she had me like flip back and look at the at the illustrations and the carvings of the heralds are like in the chapter headings. And I immediately underneath wrote, "Are there lady heralds? Like I'm just like, come on, this world is very cool, but Megan's also told me there's gender issues. Please tell me we're gonna get some lady heralds. And we do. It's evenly split down the middle. Five ladies, five gentlemen.
0: So I'm, uh, I'm doing this other podcast on a book series called Everworld. I know. You're right. <laughs> Sorry. I had my hand up in front of my face <laughs> and Emily just puts it down because we're recording and that's bad <laughs> sound quality. Um, and the the characters in Everworld are supposedly traveling through these other mythologies and like meeting people from earth's history but it's been very interesting that uh the other hosts you know we've all pointed out that oh weird all of these societies are sexist in exactly the same way our modern society is sexist even though historically that's not accurate and so i was like oh you guys should be the way of kings <laughs> they have an interesting way of being sexist with these like really strict gender roles that are very different from our own and i i think it's fun i think it's really fascinating and i think it shows great ingenuity and imagination yes
1: well done brandon sanderson
0: well done um yeah yanala's not happy though that they're at the the temple she's like first a stinky leather worker shop and now the temple i assume we'd walk someplace at least faintly romantic religion's romantic adolin said scratching his head eternal love and all that right? (laughs) She eyed him. I'm going to go wait outside. She turned and walked out with her handmaiden. And someone get me a storming palanquin. Adolin frowned, watching her go. I'll have to buy her something quite expensive to make up for this, I suspect. I don't see what the problem is, Kadesh said. I think religion's romantic. You're an ardent, Adolin said flatly. Besides, that scar makes you a little too unsightly for my tastes. (laughs) He's not investigating the leather strap here. He has some questions for this ardent, and he's trying to get advice on what should I do about my father's visions.
1: Yes, he is not here at the behest of his father. Um, I think this is kind of his own private thing because he is getting worried because, like, in in earlier chapters, um, rumors are going around and people aren't seeing his father in you know what Adolin thinks is a, a respectful light and so I I think he's he's just worried and trying to get around the, you know, issue.
0: Have you heard there's a rumor in the war camps now? Have <laughs> you heard what they're saying about my dad? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great. <Thanks. laughs> Way of Kings, the musical <laughs>
0: please with oh. <laughs> he's, he's having visions during storms. I wish that I would never part. <laughs> oh. The High Prince Bride Lord Dalinar. But please do not repeat it. <laughs> oh, man.
1: All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just keep thinking of more lyrics. I should stop. Um. So as this ardent... As um, Aiden lives confiding in him that, like, okay, is my father going mad or could he really be seeing visions sent by the Almighty? Which
1: I think is great as a son wanting to trust his father, even Mm -hmm. though it's going against everything he believes. He really, like, wants to believe his dad. I like that.
0: And so the Ardent is very very carefully speaking about his words so the reason adolin has gone to this particular ardent is like the reason he's got that scar is this guy used to be a soldier like adeline knew him growing up before he like joined the ardentia and stuff um and so as the as the ardent is trying to very very carefully speak around this subject we get some history of why the voran church is set up the way it is now it's so cool you
1: guys Listen, I'm not a history buff, but I love I love studying about cause and effect. I love the cause and effect of what led up to like the assassination of you know Gavilar. I was going to say Ferdinand, (laughs) the archbishop, (laughs) the archduke that led to World War II. Anyway, I'm rambling, but this is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. These things that happen now directly affect these people's lives, Mm
0: -hmm. and it in such a
1: personal way.
0: And it feels like real history Mm -hmm. because you mentioned something while you were reading it it's you're like you know in any you know in in other books it's easy to imagine that this threat of the church oh yeah so a quick flashback of what actually did happen is um it's called the uh so the hierocracy the war of loss And so Adeline gives us a one sentence summary about, oh yeah, the priests, uh, the priests tried to seize control. They tried to conquer the world for its own good. Then, you know, the church tried to conquer the world. In another book, Emily, you mentioned it could be easy to have this as kind of like an extra problem that's happening right now, because this is an interesting and fascinating part of the story. But instead, this is something that's happened way back in history. And so we get a quick history lesson about the hierocracy, um, about how it turns out a lot of the, you know, the old priests, they were claiming to have visions and using that to control people's lives. And so the people were following the priests. And he says,
1: not the almighty or the heralds, but the priests, because the priests were the ones that were trying to um, direct the path. Mm -hmm. Of the world for their own gain.
0: And investigations in this time period, it turns out, they find from the priest's communication back then that they had been making it all up. That this was all a plan. And so the priesthood itself was kind of dissolved. Basically, now the crown controls the church. And and that's why Ardents are not independents. The Ardents are owned. Um, And this is why claiming visions and prophecies is now a hundred percent off the table and like that sort of stuff like foretelling the future was also denounced by the heralds themselves and he calls it a very particular word he
1: calls it void binding he says it's a dark and evil thing and the soul of it was trying to divine the future and so i my notes say void binding
0: equals new because <laughs> we've heard void bringer but what's a void binder yeah when the priests of the Hierarchy were cast down, the Sunmaker made a point of interrogating them and going through their correspondences. Wh- wh- what's the Sunmaker? I thought that was the sword. No, no, we don't know what the Sunmaker. Oh, is. <laughs> this is this is like uh, this is like us saying to somebody, "Oh yeah, uh, George Washington." Da da da, da 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 da. Like it's it's a historical name that and to
1: us we know exactly what it means, but we don't have to like sit and be like, So our first president who was born in this time, George Washington, you know yeah. the man who did all these things. They're just like, eh, George Washington. So when they're just like, Ah, it's the sunmaker,
0: we're like, Who? Oops. so we don't have context for whom the Sunmaker is yet. Yet. Maybe. Um
1: And so this Arden is trying to speak very carefully because I mean, I think, one, he and Adolin are friends. But, two, I think he also has great respect for Dalinar, And I think um, Adolin went to this one on purpose, obviously. If he's worried about rumors getting out, he obviously trusts this Ardent not to
0: spread those rumors. hmm So. So Adolin's like, okay, are you saying all this stuff because you say my father's making it up? And Arden's like, I would never accuse the High Prince of lying. And he's like, okay, so then you think he is going mad. And he's like, I didn't say that either. And it's basically like, listen, you implied the Almighty probably wouldn't send visions like these. I did. And that his visions are a product of his own mind? Likely so. So the artist is basically like, listen, the only one who can help him is you. If you bring the church into this, it's going to be a nightmare. If you bring politics into this, it's going to be a nightmare. Adeline, you're his son you're the one who's going to have to figure this out, which ah,
1: I thought was really good advice. That was really good advice.
0: So Dalinar's going to see the king. I wrote that down. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh. So as we're going by, there is a... Sorry, as Dalinar's walking through the king's war palace, um, he sees a group of stonemasons who are carefully cutting out a scene of Nalana Alin emitting sunlight. The sword of retribution over his head. And Emily, in your notes, you've written Sunmaker and Nalana Elin next to each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure when we read it, sorry, we read like a week ago because Emily had to work on her book. (laughs) You're like, is he the Sunmaker? Oh. Because that would be a good, that would be a good way to connect the dots to be like, oh, this guy's being drawn with sunlight emitting out of his head. And uh, they mentioned somebody historically called the Sunmaker. So the king's war palace is very fancy. And so this, Megan was
1: nice enough. I mean, she's always nice enough.
0: Megan (laughs) explained
1: to me, because I was just like, so are they near the main city? But she was like, no, this is like a secondary headquarters.
0: Yeah. So we've got the 10 war camps set up on the edge of the Shattered Plains. The king doesn't live in the war camps. He lives just outside the war camps in... Basically, a second palace. They've been working on it for the last six years. Because with Soulcasters, you can throw up a pretty big structure and then they bring in artisans to like detail it and make it fine and fancy. Nice. So, being at the secondary location,
1: mm-hmm. my theory for why Gavilar was assassinated has evolved. Because we know someone paid off the Parshendi or someone whoever contracted Seth out to kill Gavilar wanted to blame it on the Parshendi, which then reignited the war, which caused all the High Princes to move out to the battlefield or just to stay there, I guess, where they already were. My guess is whoever is behind this is going to do a raid on the main city and take over the capital that way and trap the armies between the two Parshendi or two armies. It might not be the Parshendi. It might be somebody else. But that is my... That's my updated guess for why Gavilar was assassinated.
0: Uh. Am I brilliant? Am I right? I'm 80% sure. No, I'm 97% sure we read this. The Parshendi claimed that they right. were the ones who did it.
1: Yes, that's sorry. I was not clear about that. So, yeah, they I, weren't framed. But... I think someone's paying the Parshendi to oh. claim that. Okay, cool. So,
0: yeah. There's this other high prince waiting to see the king, and are pretty much cuts in line. Hey, uh, how many members of the King's Guard are guarding the chamber? Probably ten. You are correct! It's ten members of the King's Guard. Dalinar had personally organized the unit and handpicked his members. Ooh. There you go. So, Dalinar is coming to talk to the king. They muse about the Parshendi. Mm -hmm. And Elokar clearly has very strong biases against them way strong Uh, which
1: obviously makes sense
0: because dalinar's like you know we don't know why they killed your father like could it have been did we offend their honor was it a cultural misunderstanding and elokar is like a cultural misunderstanding would imply that they have culture uh he then says who knows why a horse kicks or why an axe hound bites and to me that's ridiculous because if you are someone who knows horses very well you know when they're gonna kick if you work with i know ax hounds aren't like real dogs then like you can recognize the warning signs before a dog is about to bite you and i think elkar is flagrantly showing his super ignorance over this matter because um dalinar is starting to think more and more about Do you know we really don't know like anything about the Parshendi. We just, we're, we're making a bunch of assumptions based on the very, very little information we have that they they think like us, but less. Mm-hmm. Dalinar's trying to faintly suggest to Elokar, like, have you considered stopping the war? Elokar's horrified by this. He's like, what? D- <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Dalinar's trying to like we've seen him lead do, lead and
1: guide yeah. rather than order. He's trying to help El Elicar come to this understanding on his own. Um, I think he's still trying to build up his confidence in being the ruler by mm-hmm. default, rather than it's now time sort of a thing.
0: So as they as they talk about this, and Dallener, uh, sorry, Elakar's like, "It's true." What they whisper, "You've changed." It has something to do with these episodes. And Dalinar's like, "No." I'm just like, listen to me. What are you willing to give in order to get vengeance? Anything. And if that means everything your father worked for, do we honor his memory by undermining his vision for Alethkar, all to get revenge in his name? Which I thought was
1: really interesting because is it here or is it later where we're kind of like, how do we keep the High Princes loyal once they fulfill the vengeance pact?
0: Am I going uh, I off on a, a tangent. Okay. No, but but it's you're right. You're right. The Sorry, same thing. I, I went off a. Went on no, a no, tangent. no. I think you're right. um The Vengeance Pact has kept the High Princes channeled, but what will happen once we win? Will we shatter? I think we need to forge them together to unite them. Mm-hmm. So you are correct. It's okay. right here, and so Elakar's like, "You think I'm a poor king, don't you?" This y- poor dude. Uh, so paranoid. Tell me truthfully, Uncle. When you look at me, do you wish you saw my father's face instead?
1: Oh. And Dalinar says yes.
0: And course like, <laughs> "Ow, Uncle Dadinor <laughs> <laughs> And then Dalinar like, "It's like, no, yeah, of course he's my brother, and I want him to be back here. But just because I loved your father does not mean I think you're a failure. Nor does it mean I do not love you." In its own right, you are a fine king. Dalinar is really like, I just want you to I just want you to think about what it would mean if we end the war. Mm-hmm. And Elokar gives him another one of those looks of just suspicion. Oh yeah, because Dalinar's like, yeah, we're investigating the strap, but we can't like we cannot get clarification if it was absolutely cut or not. And Elokar's like, You don't believe me. You don't believe me. And And Elokar's like, you should be trying to find out what the assassins are planning rather than pestering me with some arrogant quest to become overlord of the entire army. Because, title of the episode, Dalinar is asking Elokar for a new title. What does he want to be? He wants to be named High
1: Prince of War. Which they initially talked about back in the day and they all decided that that would be a bad move. Mm -hmm. But now... Dalinar wants to bring that up again.
0: Yep. Elucard just looks at him with such suspicion.
1: That's not good. Like, I feel like Elucard... Like, I'm giving him leeway because, yes, his father was murdered in the palace. He probably does blame Dalinar a little bit. And that sort of paranoia is going to have a huge effect on you. But, oh, when you start suspecting the people closest to you you're kind of done at that point. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, how are you supposed to come back from that? Yeah. From Dalinar who ran in and caught the Chasm Fiend's claw before it smushed Elokar. And Elokar's going, well, you want to take over everything. And it's like, Uh. no, he couldn't let it smush you. Like, he had ample opportunity and he has proven himself over and over. And I just, I feel bad for Elokar because he has that... That anxiety and that paranoia that just worms into everything and is Mm
0: -hmm. you know cracking his shell so we don't leave this conversation on a high note but we do leave it on a compromise um, where Elokar's like okay if you can prove to me you can get some of the high princes to work together I'll consider naming you high prince of war so here we go um but uh going on a quest (laughs) as as we're headed back to camp (gasps)
1: Ugh! They realize a, a high storm is coming up that hasn't been correctly predicted, and they try and make it to their Delana's camp. Camp, yeah. But they don't quite make it all the way in time and have to duck into like soldiers' barracks. Yeah. And I was just like, well, why are they so worried about this? Until I realized, Delinar has fits and visions during high storms. And he has always done it in the privacy of his own, like, I don't know, room or whatever. All of a sudden, he's in a barracks full of soldiers who are going to see him
0: have a vision. And that's bad. Is bad. Uh, But you noted something. In Dalinar's camp, no one has to pay for shelter to a high storm.
1: Oh, yeah!
0: Which means...
1: Sadius does that bleepity bleepity bleep. (laughs) I don't like him. Like, that's basic human dignity.
0: Ooh. Ooh. You think think someone who runs bridge crews the way he does No, Okay,
1: no, but I'm just, I'm surprised that I can keep being surprised at how awful a person he is. Mm
0: -hmm. Sometimes, so it says, in Dalinar's camp, no one was forced to weather the Tempest in storm tents or flimsy wooden shacks. And nobody had to pay for protection inside stone structures. So it sounds like several of the other high princes just like put out the bare minimum for shelter. Could you imagine doing a... uh, A surviving a hurricane in a tent? No. Ooh, scary. I've
1: survived multiple hurricanes before. I can't imagine being outside in a tent. I mean, those things are frightening. And I was in a very well-built house. All, I mean, each time I was in a hurricane, like, four or five times. Um, and just, ooh. So that's a lot of my personal biases coming through. But
0: So chapter 19, we see one of Taylor's visions. Yes, this was so cool. Tell us about it.
1: Okay, so we don't know if he, so I don't know. Megan knows, obviously. I don't know if he's time traveled. <laughs> I don't know. He shows up. Apparently in the body of some other person who is a farmer with a daughter and a wife. And there are these awful nightmare creatures that are like too soft to punch. And they're just made of like flabby blackness. And he's, he's saved a child from them. He's, he doesn't even know where he is at this point, but everything looks so real um, he saved a child and brought the child from like the barn back into the home, and the woman in there is like, "Thank goodness you found her." And Dalinar kind of gathers that the woman believes she's the woman. The woman believes he's her husband, um, and so he's asking all these questions about like what's going on, and she's like,
0: "What, what is wrong with you?" Like, yeah. He's anyways. like, I, uh, "I I hit my head. Everything's yeah. a little fuzzy right now." He he is still on Alethkar, though, for sure, because the purple moon is out, uh, Salas. And he gets a fire poker. Oh, yeah. And he starts, what is it called? It's called Smoke Stance? Yeah, so he, can, he still has all of his own Dalinar's memories, thoughts, and everything. So he's in basically someone else's body but he doesn't have any of their memories he's still dalinar he can move like dalinar he knows all of the sword stances and things i don't know if you've been watching me play ghost of tsushima (laughs) uh tsushima but uh your character has four different styles of fighting you can use and it's uh wind stance water stance stone stance and moon stance i believe um, and it, your character moves, like, you know, you, you stand differently, you swing differently, it's got different bonuses against different enemies, and so Dalinar is fighting in Smoke Stance. So, Dalinar leapt forward, remaining in motion was the essence of Smoke Stance, and spun between the creatures, striking to the side with his poker. He hit the one on the left, ripping a gash in its too smooth skin. The wound bled smoke. Blah. And as he's fighting, he feels the thrill. Capital T. <laughs> da, da, da. Um, so he gets so he's got the poker, he kicks the leg off a table, and he's got stance, Stance's sword and knife form. Um, so he's fighting off two of these creatures at a time. They get outside, uh, Dalinar, you know, he gets wounded. So like he feels hurt, he's he feels dizzy, he feels wounded. Um and his wife is like excuse me (laughs) how and she says you fought like like one of the Radiants themselves where did you learn that and he is just you know he riffing up his shirt to tie up his wounds and he moves (laughs) over to the window and he's like we need to get somewhere safe is there a cellar nearby and she says what (laughs) and he's like a cave in the rock man-made or natural and she's like there's no caves how would men make a hole in the rock and so he's like okay i'm i'm way back in history because they don't have like even the basic mining uh technologies um but there's more of these creatures coming and they get cornered he's just he's just got the poker there's a dozen of them there we're
1: Gonna die, and he has to rely on this woman, and he's asking her, "Where is there a river?" Or are all these things, stuff that his avatar, I guess, should know. <laughs> <laughs> and he has to keep trying to make excuses, like, "Oh, I hit my head. I don't know where I am," sort of a thing. And and they're trying to make a final stand.
0: And dalinar's like, "I think these are void bringers," and so he moves from smoke stance into wind stance, which is what he's most familiar with. And he's fighting and fighting and fighting, and then he just screams into the air. Why are you showing me this? Why must I live this vision? Curse you! And he, he's screaming this up towards the sky. And there he saw a brilliant blue light falling through the air. It was like a star rock dropping at an incredible speed. Dalinar cried out as the light hit the ground a short distance away, cracking the stone, spraying rock chips in the air. The ground shook. The beasts froze. And it's a man in shard place.
1: Yes. And I imagine he lands in the superhero stance. And
0: I imagine <laughs> this a lot like the opening of a Kingdom Hearts game. Because, <laughs> you know, you got these shadow monsters. They're like the heartless. And there's a... Listen. Birth by sleep. You guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, and also the first Kingdom Hearts. People falling out of the sky like stars. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then a second person in Star shard plate shows up. <gasps> it's a woman. <laughs> it's a woman. <laughs> and... She touches Dalinar and heals him.
1: And I wrote healing Fabrial? question mark. So I don't know if there's something in her armor. Because aren't they wearing shirt armor? Yep. Um, I don't know if there's something in her armor that lets her do that. Or if it's like a special power she has. Mm-hmm. And it says their eyes are leaking storm
0: lights. Yeah. So she is holding something bright. It's a topaz entwined with a Heliodor. So it's two gems. Both set into a fine metal framework, each as big as a man's hand. So, you're right. It could be a fabrial. Ice washed across him. Suddenly, his pain was gone. So, she's she's literally, like, regrowing his flesh and stuff. Mm-hmm. We saw something kind of like this in the prologue when Seth used Stormlight to heal himself. Got it. Um... And was like, a woman? Shard bearer?
1: I've never heard of it. <laughs> Examine your internal personal biases, dude.
0: He he fights with them. He gets his poker back up and the three of them fight off the shadows. Because they're there to, like,
1: protect them. And he, like, comes up from behind them and, like, stands with them. And they're like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> and when when it's all done and we're victorious, they're like, who trained you in the sword? And her doesn't know how to respond. He's like, I'm not from around here. <laughs> and the wife is like, this is my husband? He's never seen a sword before. <laughs> and the, the knight says, your stances are unfamiliar, but they were practiced and precise. This level of skill comes with years of training. I've rarely seen a man, knight or soldier, fight as well as you. Because
1: these are the knight's radiant.
0: Yeah. Dallan recognized the symbol, the particular pattern of the stylized double eye. Where have you seen an eye with two pupils? <gasps> Are those the keyhole eyes? Yeah. So That's at the okay. beginning of that the m- chapter, that
1: makes me feel less creepy about them.
0: Get a keyhole eye. It has these. <laughs> it has these ten things around it. So there you go. That's the the double eyes, the stylized symbol of the knights. Radiant, or a symbol of the Lost Radiance back when they had been called the Knight's Radiant. Cool. Uh, And they invite him to come to a place called Uruthiru. And Dalinar, like, the name seems familiar to Dalinar, and they're like, I can't promise you a position in one of the Orders. The decision is not mine, but if your skill with the sword is similar to your skill with hearth-tending implements, I'm confident (laughs) you will find a place with us. And then he warns them that a desolation is coming. And so... I'm
1: assuming that a desolation is a time period of whenever either these things show up or a specific enemy shows up. And it's not like, oh, it's every 15 years or whatever. It's just like, no, when they show up, this is the next desolation.
0: And so Talendor's like, I need some more, uh, I need some more information. So the, the dude knight shoots straight up into the sky. just like he falls right up into the sky. And then Dalinar turns to the woman and he's like, I have to know what year is it? And she <laughs> looks at him like, are you not healed all the way? And she's like, it's it's 8th epic, 337. And Dalinar's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> That's still not helpful. It's like someone from, it's like us going back in time to 300 BCE and being like, what year is it? And they're like, it's eighth snake year. And I'm like, excuse <laughs> <you>? What? what? <laughs> um,
1: and so... He, he also figures out what kingdom he's in. <laughs> what is it? Natanaton. Natanatan. Natanatan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Dalinar knows the Shattered Plains used to be a land called Natanatan. And the lady's like, we're centered in Urthiru, but we live in cities all across Althea. Nope. Alethala. We live in cities all across Alethala. And Dalinar's like, that's the historical name for the place that becomes Althkar. She she tells him a little bit about the Night's Radiant that every pasture needs three things. Flocks to grow, herdsmen to tend and warriors at the rim. We of Alethela are those warriors. The warriors who protect and fight. We maintain the terrible arts of killing and pass them on to others when the desolation comes.
1: And that was interesting to me because it's clearly not a warrior race. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they view fighting as not dishonorable, but necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is very different from the Alethi. Mm-hmm. And so... After she leaves, the wife starts to speak. But the wife's voice changes. It changes to a man's voice, deep and powerful. And it's a voice that speaks to Dalinar during every vision. Mm. And it starts talking to him. And so Dalinar is like, you have to tell me, like, who is this? What are you showing me? Like, what's happening? And the voice says, I wish I could help you. You have to unite them. And so Dalinar, like, in between these just these little breaks he just spews out a whole nother list of questions and the again the guy's like to speak of what might be is forbidden to speak of what was depends on perspective but I will try to help and then Dalinar's like at least tell me I've trusted High Prince Sadius but my son Adolin thinks I'm a fool to do so should I continue to trust Sadius yes the being said oh that's right that oh, is I important. hated that do not let strife consume you be strong act with honor and honor will aid you and basically the the tail end of the vision trails away while dalin are still trying to ask more questions and he wakes up back in the barracks and the men are trying to hold him down because he's apparently like up and struggling and kind of failing. and so
1: he's finally like oh i'm okay guys you can you can all go now and, um, Renarin is, like, trying to make excuses, like, oh, my dad just really wants to go out and fight. Uh, and it's just, like, no one is convinced by this. Renarin! So. But, yeah, he he thinks over the last thing that was said, act with honor, and honor will aid you. Um, and he says, the Vision had told him to trust Sadius, but he'd never be able to explain that to Adeline, who not only hated Sadius but thought the Visions were delusions from Dalinar's mind. The only thing to do was keep going as he had and find a way somehow to get the High Princes to work together. So who? how are they going to do that if they somehow fulfill the Vengeance Pact? Because this is the only thing that's keeping them united. But Dalinar doesn't want the war to keep going. But then how are they going to keep them together? And he has to work with this butt of a man who is awful... I don't like it. Saddiest? Him. Yeah. Yeah. He's terrible. Don't tell me he gets some sad tragic backstory that's gonna make me feel sorry for him.
0: The saddiest tragic backstory.
1: <laughs> I'm not doing it.
0: I won't tell you that then. I'm not doing it. Okay. So. Anyways. Uh so the next is pretty short. It is a flashback to Little Kaladin. It's like a seven little years over- ago.
1: Two pages long.
0: Yeah, so Kaladin would have been 12. Basically, there's an accident. This little girl gets, like, really horribly hurt in front of him. And, oh, sorry, Cal's only 13. Um, he's trying to save her. He, like, springs into action to help do first aid, do, like, everything his father taught him. And very sadly, though, this this little girl dies.
1: But later, his dad comes in and tells him, you did everything right. Like, she was just too little to survive. But that doesn't make
0: him feel any better. Uh, Kaladin's like, I don't want to be a surgeon. I'm terrible at it. And Lyran sighs and says, Cal, this happens. I mean, it's unfortunate, but you could not have done anything else. And he's like, you know what? Uh, you have to learn when to care. It's unfortunate, but you um, you have to learn when to care and when to let go. You'll grow calluses. Holden's like, is that a good thing? And in the distance, they hear the father of the little girl continue to cry. It's really sad, and you know, it's such a short, small scene. It's just like a blip, but it it gives us it gives us some good Kaladin stuff. Mm-hmm. And we went through that really fast because we're about an hour and a half into our recording, <laughs> and it's time to talk about Chapter Twenty One: Why Men Lie. This,
1: oh, I mean, it's a good chapter. All of them are good chapters, but like,
0: oh, this one was real fast. Uh, sorry, we didn't we didn't read the epigraph for the last one, but read the epigraph for this one. Oh, one need only look at the aftermath
1: of his brief visit to Cell to see uh, to see proof of what I say. So my notes say who or what
0: is Cell? Cell is the world where Elantris takes <gasps> place.
1: Intriguing. I love Elantris mm-hmm. and uh, the Emperor's Soul. Oh, I haven't read that one yet, but I, <gasps> you I know read it? it's I good. know it's very good. It's amazing. Here's my other question: um, Kaladin thinks initially, "Curse you have H-A-V. He thought you can boot me out of my bunk even now. We don't know who that is yet, do we? Uh, is it a person, or is it like a is it like a religious?
0: It's figure? a person. Okay. Um. Do you want do you want me to tell you who it is? Yes. It was one of his sergeants when he was first starting uh, as a soldier. Uh, uh, his whole life is so sad.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I want
0: to start at the beginning of this of this chapter where Kaladin's like, Kaladin didn't want to open his eyes. If he opened his eyes, he'd be awake. And if he were awake, that pain wouldn't be just a nightmare. It would be real. And it would be his. Me after every time I run a half marathon. <laughs> So, guys, we got to
1: go to Disney World before the pandemic. This was, like, three weeks before everything shut down when, like, like we started hearing about the, the coronavirus, like, while we were in Florida. Anyway, this is a tangent. It has nothing it to do with this. the last
0: good vacation any human the ever got to take. Vacation.
1: So, Meg and I went to go run the, um, the, ra- the princess race in, in February. <laughs> and... Long story short, Meg's sleeping schedule was super off because she's from California, and we're in Florida, and we took a red eye, and then...
0: You had to get up really early to get to the race, the first start line on time.
1: So it's like midnight for Megan's internal clock, but really like 3 a.m. Florida time, and anyway, after the race, and you know, you're sore and tired... I have all these pictures of her where she is in her bed and all the pillows are all over her head and the covers are pulled up and
0: you can only see her nose. Okay, so That's the only thing. After I do a really long run to prevent muscle soreness, I take what I call a hot nap. <laughs> now, to take a hot nap, you have to take a real hot shower, have your long pajamas ready, long shirt, long pants, And you get under a bunch of covers and you cover up your head with pillows and you just, you're normally, you know, when you're really hot, it's hard to fall asleep. I mean, not like good looking. I mean, when you're,
1: (laughs) I mean that too, (laughs) when your temperature is
0: high, it's hard to fall asleep. But if you run 13 miles or 26 miles really hard, it's very easy to fall asleep. And just when I take a hot nap, my muscles aren't as sore and I'm able to go to a theme park the next day Yay! with you my sister, whom I love. It was so fun. Everyone in my family has this weird obsession of taking pictures of each other when we're asleep. <laughs> that sounds weird and, <laughs> and creepy.
1: Why would you say it? Like that? Why do we do it? <laughs> I, don't
0: know. I don't do it. I do not like pictures of myself when I'm sleeping. Probably another reason I cover myself alone. <laughs> but it was pretty funny to wake up and have Emily show me pictures of. Literally all you can see is my, my long pointed nose poking up out of the covers. That was it. it. All right. Hot naps. Hot naps. Try it. (laughs) You have to be really exhausted to fall asleep though. I will warn you there. (laughs) So I
1: felt like I could empathize with, uh, Kaladin a little bit. Like the day, the few days after a race where you're like, why is our hotel room on the second floor? What was the one where you went? two years from now, it's not safe to go back yet you went the wrong way at Animal Kingdom your animal oh my gosh
0: so that was Star Wars <laughs> so weekend this is a theme apparently no <laughs> oh, okay Star Wars weekend i was staying at the Animal Kingdom lodge the one where you can see the animals outside your window and uh that one's also very long And that resort is so huge, it does have two bus stops. And I got lost. And I just finished. So I I had run the 10K the day before and the half marathon the next day. And I was back to my hotel trying to go take my hot nap. (laughs) Jeez Louise. And I couldn't. Basically, I got lost and I couldn't find my room. Mikel, you just scared me so bad. (laughs) It's just because you had these wide eyes and you just popped up from around the corner. <laughs> like big eyes. I thought you were saying, like, we're recording, get at me! You scared of- <laughs> <laughs> me. Come, come, come say hi to the podcast. Hello. Hi. That's
1: how we say it. <laughs> so cute. Hi,
0: guys. I just went on a tangent talking about Disney World for 20 minutes how they're open during covid oh no oh okay <laughs> we were cool about, yeah no
1: i don't care that's fine we're talking about
0: running races and no they shouldn't be open during covid and i'm not gonna go back for like two years and i'm sad about it which is why i'm reminiscing over all these memories well i'm sorry i interrupted do you want to come hang out while we, <laughs> uh, we only have one more chapter
1: left well i'm gonna brush my teeth so if there's weird sink noises or toilet flashing it's not a that's japanese ghost me, yeah? <laughs>
0: Listen, I love you. You do not look scary. But my brain just made
1: some unfortunate <laughs> Um So he's having a rough day. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't want to get up, but he's like, I, I gotta I gotta be a good example.
0: Gotta be a good example for my bridgeman. And then he's glad he did, because all the bridgemen are out there waiting for him, and he realizes they were waiting to see if he would get up. Um, But he... So this is the day after Kaladin has saved three wounded men off the battlefield. That's right.
1: That's right. And has kind of like sworn like, hey, we're going to take care of our own here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he goes and checks on everybody. And most everyone's okay. Um, Kaladin's trying to figure out how how to get supplies to keep things from getting infected. And he doesn't know what he's going to do. There's only one um, his name is Dab Dabid Dabid Dabid. Where he's just shell shocked. He's not even responding to anything and they're like, Well, we're gonna take care of him and um
0: First things first though is Calvin's like, Well now I'm up he goes out to where that plank of wood is and he does his oh, exercises right. again. So he's um, a
1: glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but as he as he worked, his aching muscles start to feel better. Um, his feet and shoulders still hurt but he didn't embarrass himself by falling over and sometimes that's all you can ask for so a bunch of other bridgemen are watching him and Sil comes down and she, she lands on the end of the plank that he's carrying around she's like they're talking about you and you know, they think you've gone mad and so she's asking him what is madness Caladan's like well it's when men don't it's when men don't think right and Cill's like men never seem to think right and so he's trying to explain it to you that like okay like we all like act a certain way and the person who who stands out he's mad and so says so like you all just you sit around and you vote on it and Kaladin's <laughs> like no i don't i don't know and so then she waits a long time and she asks kaladin why do men lie i can see what lies are but i don't know why people do it and they, they talk back and forth a little bit about this. And and um, he's like, Well, we do it for lots of reasons. And uh, every, everyone does it. Uh, Kaladin says, I don't think there's a person out there who hasn't lied. And Sil says, Dalinar. Kaladin goes, What? The king's uncle, Sil said. Everyone says he never lies. Your Bridgemen even talk about it sometimes.
1: Interjection from the Peanut Gallery over here. New theory. I think Syl is the ghost of Dalinar's wife. Why is she hanging out with Kaladin? I don't know. Okay. That's my new theory.
0: Write it down. Listeners. It did. Right
1: there. Is Syl his wife?
0: God, yeah, How does she know Dalinar is still his wife? Well, Dalinar doesn't know her name. It could be Sylphrena. It could be. All right. I'm going to feel real smug if this is correct. Um. Kaladin says, he's a light eyes. That means he lies. They're all the same still. The more noble they look, the more corrupt they are inside. It's all an act. So Kaladin has some biases. Kaladin has some hard life experiences. But yes. Uh, I think his are more deserved than Elokar's. Yes.
1: Yes. Listen, okay, caveat, you can't compare trauma. That is true. But in this point, yes. I, I, I lean more towards your thing.
0: Yeah. And so Syl seems to remember there was a time men talk about where there were no lies. And and Calvin's like, yeah, the heraldic epics, I guess. Um, and he says the stories prove that we remember the good times and the bad ones, forgetting that times are neither good or bad. They just are. And so Kaladin says, what happened to the heralds? They abandoned us. What happened to the Knights Radiant? They fell and became tarnished. What happened to the Epic Kingdoms? They crashed when the church tried to seize power. Which we learned about in an earlier chapter. Mm-hmm. You can't trust anyone with power, Syl. What do you do then? Have no leaders? No, nope. You give the power to the Light Eyes and leave it to corrupt them, then try to stay as far from them as possible. (laughs) So uh, after training, Gaz uh, pulls Kaladin aside and is like, "Uh, Bright Lord Lamerel, heard what you did with the wounded. Kaladin's like, how? And Gaz's like, did you you think people wouldn't talk about this? (laughs) Um, But he gets the bad news that like, Kaladin gets the bad news that they're not gonna pay or feed the bridgemen and that Lamoral uh wanted to have Kaladin strung up. What's being strung up? Hanged. Not exactly. No. Uh strung up means hung out during a high storm for the storm father to judge. Oh, and if you survive, then yeah. great. So you're not you're not hung by your neck. They probably like tie you up by your, I don't know, arms, ankles, something like that um chain you to a rock and so Lam- okay so here's how that here's how the chain of command goes gaz is over all the bridgemen lameral is over gaz and like a couple of their divisions and then sadius so lameral's gone up to sadius and sadius is like no we're not gonna make a martyr out of him um but you cannot feed or pay the bridgemen if they're not working So these
1: injured men are probably going to be forced to go out before they're healed up and ready to go, Mm -hmm. and they're going to die anyway,
0: or they're going to starve to death because you can't—he can't get them food from the mess hall. That's right. Callan says to Gaz, "Thank you for bringing me this news." And Gaz is like, (laughs) "News? No, this is an order. I've been ordered to tell you this. (laughs) We're not friends." Um, and so he tells the rest of the Bridgman about them. He asks if any of them would be willing to spare no. food. Kaladin. Thank you. What did I say? Yes. So Kaladin goes back to tell the rest of the Bridgman about it. And is like, listen, they the Light Eyes, they want to let our men die. They want to make an example of us. They want to prove Bridgman aren't worth healing. And he's going to do it by making these three die like slow, painful deaths. I want to pool our resources to buy medicine and food. Basically, who's with me? (laughs) And everyone's like, you're nuts.
1: Stare. Moash started laughing. Others joined him. They waved dismissive hands and broke up, walking away, leaving Kaladin with his hand out. Next time it could be you, he called. What will you do if you're the one that needs healing? I'll die, Moash said, not even bothering to look back. Out on the field quickly, rather than back here over a week's time. Which, A... To be fair, uh, makes total sense.
0: And B? That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything else. Thought you were listing things. I was, I'm done. <laughs> um, well, we meet, uh, we get to talk a little more with rock. The rock. Just rock. <laughs> I know. Um, and Rock says that he will give some food only for the man with the arrow in his leg, which is like Hobber. Mm hmm. Uh, He's like, I'm not going to help the battle shocked one. And I think the other one will still probably die. But um, he he agrees to donate some of his food to the man he feels would probably live. Yeah.
1: Because he's like, I have no pity for this other man who sits here doing nothing. Like he has, Mm -hmm. he could get up and go get his own food. And so Rock, I think, is a pragmatist.
0: And so Calvin's like, thank you. And Rock's, you know, explains that you took my spot. At the front of the bridge. That's right. Without you, I'd be dead. And Kaladin's like, I'm not dead, Rock. You'd be fine. Rock shook his head. I'd be dead. Is something strange about you? All men can see it, even if they don't want to speak of this thing. I looked at the bridge where you were. Arrows hit all around you, beside your head, next to your hands, but they weren't hitting you.
1: I think Kaladin has some sort of magnetic field around him that... That deflects arrows or bad luck or something.
0: We have seen something similar to this already in the book. Would you like me to point it out to you? Yes. It's in the prologue. Ugh! That's so far back. Okay, then I won't tell you. No, tell
1: me what it is. Uh. No. Oh, come on! You're not going to tell me that. That's so mean! What? Hey no (laughs) tell me what it
0: is You can't do that. And they'd be like, I'm no No such thing. Rock glanced at Kaladin's shoulder. Besides, there is Mafaliki who always follows you. The large horn eater bowed his head reverently to Sil then made a strange gesture with his hand, touching his shoulders and his forehead. So he, did he cross himself? No. Oh. (laughs) I know it looked like it, but it says he touches his shoulders and then his forehead, so it's more like a triangle. A triangle, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm like Catholicism. (laughs) (laughs) H's
0: H's <laughs> richmond <laughs> <laughs> blessed for the honorable for you for honorable you help honor honorable age. <laughs> oh my goodness oh, okay so rock can see sil and sil is surprised by this Ooh. she didn't like she didn't deliberately reveal herself to rock or anything and so calen's <laughs> like uh and he looks at rock and rock just says i am a sorry let me try again i am ala there's three i's and an apostrophe in the middle um i should have every time we do this you're like why don't you re-listen to the audiobook you own the audiobook and i'm like because i've listened to other things <laughs> rock won't explain but calumny keeps trying to say oh it was just luck it was just luck and rock is like no like there's something going on here
1: and he talks about how many men died and five bridges fell one place lost over 20 men and he's like bridge four only lost eight people during like one of the worst runs of the whole season and he's like bridge four is basically where they send men to die like you don't survive bridge four mm-hmm. and so to all of a sudden have this like do a 180
0: like rock rock is reading the signs yeah so so caladin goes over to gaz caladin gets this idea um and he goes to gaz and he basically oh yeah <laughs> Gaz is like, are you going to give me more done spheres? And <laughs> Kaladin's like, I'm out of spheres. And he he's thinking quickly. This would have to be handled very carefully. This conversation reminds me a lot of Dalinar talking to Elokar earlier. And what Dalinar is trying to do with the other High Princes. I feel like Dalinar and Kaladin are thinking things through in a very similar way where he volunteers bridge four to do something called rock gathering duty that's right on their day off basically yeah so gas is like okay uh you guys will go out to gather rocks and bridge three will clean pots and so Kaladin goes back and he goes to approach another bridgeman uh, whose name is teft and teft and rock both helped Kaladin on the battlefield Mm -hmm. yesterday Uh, Teft is eating flatbread and curry and he's like, ah, no, I'm not sharing any of my food. And Kaladin's like, I don't need your food. I need you. I need your allegiance. And Teft is like, I've given my loyalty before too many times. Always works out the same. Your trust gets betrayed? Kaladin asked softly. Teft snorted. Storms? No, I betray it. You can't depend on me, son. I belong here as a bridgeman. Oh. And as they're as they're talking, as they're saying it through, and Kaladin's like, Teft, you know, we're all broken. Otherwise, we wouldn't be Bridgman. I failed. My own brother died because of me. I read that. And here's the immediate
1: thing I jumped to. I'm wondering if that is true. Okay, here, A, if it's true. <laughs> or B, <too>. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what Kaladin believes and has told himself. Like when he's operating on the little girl and he's like i you know should have been able to save her i just wonder if it's sort of the thing where he kind of put the weight of the universe on his own shoulders mm-hmm. and if that was appropriate
0: or not so teft rock and kaladin have kind of started the little bridge four club mm-hmm. um and so like rock and teft even introduce themselves to each other They've they've technically haven't like really met yet and calabin's like oh i thought i'd forgotten most of them don't even bother to learn each other's names what kind of a name is rock teft asked releasing the hand is a stupid one rock said (laughs) with an even face but at least it has meaning does your name mean anything i find out rock is not rock's real name it's just what the lowlanders can pronounce uh what's your real name then teft asked you won't be able to say it teft raised an eyebrow Emily, because I think it would make for good podcasting. <laughs> I'm going to have you try to say it first. Okay. Oh, my gosh. This thing's
1: like 27 letters long. Numuhuku makalaki ayaluma namomor.
0: That was really close. <laughs> you just added in like four extra syllables, but that was like, that was actually really close. Thank it's you. It's numuhuku makiaki more.
1: Oh, well, that's all. Yeah.
0: Here, say it with me. Numuhuku maki... maki Aki
1: aya, so that is like a little uh. So okay. Uh, aya Luna, Luna, Luna more.
0: more, Luna more. Yeah. So numu huku aki aya Luna more. Yeah. Where do they get rock out of that? <laughs> well, we don't know because the chapter's over. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> um, Calladine says the reason we're going rock gathering today is we also need to gather a certain kind of plant. A reed that grows in small patches outside the camp. He's the long con person. He's the the
1: long-term thinker. Yes. He's
0: the brains. Do you know... Do you remember what the reeds are? I'm sure it's medicine. Yeah. uh, When he was talking to the apothecary in what would have been our our last episode, uh, the apothecary was like, Okay, I've got knobweed sap, Mm -hmm. but... You know, it takes so long. I only get, like, one little drop out of each reed. I have to gather all the reeds from hand. That's why the sap antiseptic is so expensive. Mm. So Calvin's going to go get some of those reeds himself. Good for him. Where's my pen? Um, so that is our reading. We're going to end this with a couple questions. All right. What are Dalinar's visions?
1: I think that they are experienced, like he's i think he's actually physically there like i think they transfer his consciousness or mm-hmm. whatever so he can get it firsthand because he can't read he can't go and read any um Histories. firsthand accounts and so i think whoever's doing this is working in a way that he'll be able to understand and remember
0: mm-hmm. who is giving him these visions the
1: not the radiant not the night's radiant but the hold on the heralds i think it's the heralds okay how did kaladin's brother die we don't know he
0: says it's his fault i'm I'm thinking that's guilt talking i'm asking yeah so i'm asking for predictions oh um, predictions um i
1: think that tian tried to follow and copy something that kaladin did And that it was just an accident. And he was physically unable to save him with his surgeon skills.
0: Okay. And how are they going to feed the bridgemen? I think when
1: they go out, they're going to gather resources or something. They're going to go out and bring... Read sources. <laughs> <laughs> or they're going to trade, like, bring the reeds back to the apothecary because I don't think there's a way that Kaladin can get that sap from it if it's so difficult. Okay. I think he's going to start some sort of, like, <clears throat> like bigger or better. You know that game? If you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, we'd play a game. We used to go around neighborhoods, and you start off with a quarter, and you go to a house, and you say, can you give me anything bigger or better than this? And you basically just trade your way up, and – it was huge when I was in high school and there was a news article because a kid got a car. Whoa. It
0: didn't work, but he got a car. See, the biggest thing I ever got out of that? A barbecue. That's cool. Didn't work. It was an old ratty broken down one from someone's backyard. But we started with a paperclip and we traded our way up to a barbecue grill. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> great.
1: So I think that's what's going on.
0: All right. So let us talk about our next three chapters, because it is just three. Uh, We'll be doing chapter 22, Eyes, Hands, or Spheres? Question mark. Okay. And we will be reading chapter. That can't be it. Where's the rest of it? Don't worry. Okay. 22. 23, Many Uses. I think that's a Kaladin chapter with the reeds. And 24, The Gallery of Maps.
1: Okay, I think the first two are Kaladins, and the second one is gonna be a Dalinar Adolin.
0: Alright. Well let's find out. It's a, it's a shorter reading than our last one, but maybe that'll mean we have a episode that's shorter than two hours. <laughs> but yeah. Uh that was really fun podcasting, but I gotta get back to storyboarding. I have to get back to my book. I believe in you. I believe in you. Break. Thank you so much for listening through all of My Sister Made Me View It books edition covering The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Catch our next Hill House episode on Tuesday, October the 19th, and our next Roswell episode the following Thursday, October 21st. Then you can find us again discussing more Way of Kings on Thursday, October the 28th. Also, to alleviate the suspense from the intro, thankfully, Way of Kings won the September ratings push. I want to thank everyone, especially Ted, (laughs) for reviewing this podcast. Uh, Now Emily owes me dinner, and I will determine how fancy of a meal at some future date, and I'll I'll, I'll give you guys the updates I'll give you the juice on what I ate uh special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song A Passing Storm for our opener and outro I am going to jump back into storyboarding this is very exciting it's my last week on Star Trek oh I love you Star Trek talk to you later and I'm gonna be starting my new gig on November 1st and I'm very excited for that to happen until then even though it's getting chillier make sure you keep drinking water and uh hey listen to the magnus archives so i'm not stuck in this melancholy all by myself anyway i believe in you have a good one bye